The gospel lesson for this morning is from the 14th chapter of Luke. Listen for the word of God. On one occasion when the when Jesus was going to the house of the leaders of the Pharisees, they were watching him closely. And when Jesus noticed how the guests were going to take the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not go and take the place of honor in case your host, who invited you, also invited someone more distinguished than you, and then he may come to you and say, (coughs) friend, go down there. And then in disgrace, you will get up and move down to the lowest place. But when you are invited, sit down in the lowest place, because the host may come to you and say, friend, move up higher, and then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table. Because everyone who exalts themselves will be humble, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. And then Jesus said to the host, when you give, a wedding banquet. Do not invite your brothers or your family or your relatives or <laughs> your rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and then you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor and the crippled, the lame and the blind because they cannot repay you. And you will be blessed because you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would all we continue our, worship, our listening in worship today through the book of Hebrews, chapter 13. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without even knowing it. Remember those who are in prison, as though you were in prison with them. Those who are being tortured, as though you yourselves were being tortured. Let marriage be held in honor by all. And let the marriage bed be kept undefiled, for God will judge fornicators and adulterers. Keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, 
today and forever. Again, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Last week, I preached in part about the need to re-examine our patterns of behavior, our patterns individually and our patterns as a church to make sure that they are aligned with our greater aims. We talked a little bit about the greater aim being disciples following Jesus. We acknowledged that to do so meant going to uncomfortable places for the sake of the kingdom, and today's sermon is very much aligned with that same theme. Because Jesus, as he tends to do, continues to disrupt our ways of thinking and our lives for the sake of the kingdom. Let us pray. Holy God, let us be open with the way that your holy breath, your holy spirit moves in and through us, the ways in which you are calling us to see and be seen. Be with me in my speaking and all of us as we listen for you. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, Amen. When it comes to dinner guests, Jesus ranks among the worst. He is an awkward dinner guest. He was invited by the Pharisees, who, by the way, just earlier in Luke's gospel, were protecting him. They were telling him to hide because Herod was coming after him. They have invited him maybe despite their misgivings and their concerns about the way that he is teaching, the things that he is saying, they are practicing hospitality with a wanted man. And he comes into their midst and tells them parables. Some might call them passive-aggressive stories about the right way to attend or host a party. And while Emily, Emily Post might agree with uh, you know, making sure you take the lowest seat, she certainly would not agree with telling them at the party. Jesus was not afraid to say awkward and uncomfortable things. And in studying, revisiting, learning this story for today, two things stood out for me. One is that the image of the table where the poor and the blind and the crippled and the lame is a, is a beautiful one, which is easy to get on board with. The second thing that stood out for me is that the image of the table, which is prepared for the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind, is a disturbing one because of the difficulty or the chasm between where I am and where God wants me to be. How uncomfortable, if we really listen to this story, we might become. Because you see, it's, it's not just that the, the poor and afflicted should be lifted up. Jesus very pointedly talks again and again about what will happen 
to those with power and privilege, they will be made low. In this particular story, Jesus tells them that those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And he says it in different ways throughout Luke. Luke says it in an echo of the prophetic tradition from which Jesus came in Luke 3. When he's describing John the Baptist's appearance, the voice of one crying out, In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain shall be made low, and the crooked will be made straight, and the rough places made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. How do we get to the kingdom table? Some will be raised up, and some will be made low. According to Luke, according to Jesus, the kingdom of heaven necessitates this. The troubling thing for some of us who here really hear this passage is that we spend much of our time up here. And up here, when we're talking about being made low, doesn't feel like good news. So how do we, as the prayer of confession read today, how do we, as we read, trust the good news to be good when we hear it from up here? Because for those of us that will be brought down, this story is uncomfortable. It may seem threatening. And I say not that, that not to you people, but holding a mirror up to myself. It would be less troubling if Jesus had just said, and the low shall be lifted up to sit alongside those who were already exalted. But that's not what it says. I've been thinking a lot about this, about how we might hear and be open to what Jesus is saying, and what I've come up with is Jesus' primary aim is not to condemn, but to invite. Jesus invites us to participate in our own descending, to participate in holy descent. Jesus, the one who was crucified, dead, and buried, the one who descended into hell invites us to go to hell, to send, descend with and for each other in the name of the one who descended into hell to bring us all back with him, to join those who suffer in their suffering and to dwell with them there and then to lift the lowly. Jesus is inviting us to build the kingdom alongside of him, 
Jesus is showing us what the kingdom of heaven looks like and how we might get there. Could this indeed be good news for all? The kingdom of heaven is like a woman named Ruth Coker Burks, who in the early 1980s, when she was 25 and a young mother, went to University Hospital in Little Rock, Arkansas, to help a friend who had cancer. Her friend went through five surgeries, and this story was told by journalist David Kuhn. Her friend went through five surgeries, so she spent a lot of time in that hospital. And while she was there, she noticed day after day that there was this door with a big red bag over it. It was a patient's room. She says, I would watch the nurses draw straws to see who would go in and check on him. It'd be best two out of three, and then they'd say, can we draw again? Kuhn's accounts, uh, whether because of curiosity or, as she believes today, some higher power moving her, Burks eventually disregarded the warnings on the red door and snuck into the room. In the bed was a skeletal young man, wasted away to less than 100 pounds. And he told her he wanted to see his mother before he died. I walked out and the nurses said, you didn't go in that room, did you? Burks recalled. And I said, well, yeah, he wants his mother. And they laughed. They said, honey, his mother's not coming. He's been here six weeks. Nobody's coming. Burks got the number for the young man's mother and called her. She was hung up on once, and when she finally got the woman to speak with her, the mother declared that her son was a sinner. She didn't know what was wrong with him, and she didn't care. She wouldn't come, as he was already gone, as far as she was concerned. She didn't even want him after it was all done. Burke said that she would hear this curse again and again, and the judgment and hellfire and abandonment on a platter of scripture. In the 80s, she worked with over a thousand people dying with AIDS. Of those, she said, only a handful of families didn't turn their backs on their loved ones. She hung up the phone, she went back in that room, and when she walked in, the young man said, Oh, Mama, I knew you'd come. And then he lifted his hands. And what was I going to do, she said, so I took his hand and I said, I'm here, honey, I'm here. After she cared for that dying man at University Hospital, people started calling her out of the blue for help. Remember, she was just a friend visiting a friend in the hospital. They just started coming, she said. Word got out that there was this kind of wacko woman in Hot Springs who wasn't afraid. The kingdom of heaven is like Ruth Coker Burks entering through the red plastic door. 
wacko woman in Hot Springs. He wasn't afraid. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who lives locally. As journalist Perry Stein wrote about his story in the Washington Post this week, Amr Arafa, it says, doesn't pay attention to incendiary rhetoric about immigrants and Muslims playing out on the 2016 election stage because this 34-year-old Egyptian immigrant thinks immigration is about more than politics. It's about making vulnerable newcomers to the country feel at home, and the onus of that, he says, isn't on lawmakers, but on everyday people. And so over the last year, he has been posting his studio apartment on Airbnb. This is a bed and breakfast. You can just put your, uh, your apartment or your home up on there and charge people. He's been posting it up there for $10 for any refugee a woman who's been abused, that needs temporary living. Ten dollars that he repays them once he has cleared them to come and stay with him. They're in crisis, and they have nowhere to go, and Mr. Arafa opens up his home to them, and he leaves. He goes somewhere else for a while. You see, the story of Mr. Arafa also includes the story of his own immigration here. He came to the United States in 2005 for graduate work and spent much of the past 11 years on temporary education and work visas and finally got a green card. Now, with this green card, he chose to go home to Egypt to see his mother without fear of not being allowed back in. His return home coincided with a video in 2015 that you may have seen. It was a Hungarian woman tripping a Syrian refugee holding his child and running from the police. This video so moved Arafa that with his green card in hand, he decided to help. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who was an immigrant and saw all the refugees and the woman women who'd been abused and said, come home. You have a place. Jesus Christ invites us to descend with him, to enter the dark places where other people are afraid to go and provide a listening ear, a place to stay, comfort, welcome. Because that's what love does. In the letter to Hebrews, we hear we are asked to let mutual love continue. We are reminded that love is work. We are told not to neglect to show hospitality to strangers and reminded that angels, messengers from God, that's also the translation, will be in our midst when it happens and you all just might be those messengers. We are called to remember those who are in prison and it says, as though you were in prison with them, descend with them that there might be resurrection. 
Let marriage be held in honor by all, and let the marriage bed be kept undefiled, for God will judge fornicators and adulterers. And I just want a side note here. Please note that judgment is left to God. Our call is to be in relationship with each other. And marriage is a place where it is especially difficult at times, I've heard, to honor your relationships. Sometimes it's not the in-health that you are honoring. It is the in-sickness. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, Jesus has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And it culminates with this. We do these things so that we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? Descend. Do not be afraid. The Lord is your helper. Do not be afraid to entertain the story of the other, to welcome them, to sit with them in their pain, to go even to hell with them. Because you know the story of Jesus Christ does not end there. God's story does not end there. Our story does not end there. He was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again from the dead and descended into heaven. Jesus Christ descended onto earth to be our Emmanuel, our God with us. Jesus Christ descended onto earth and touched the unclean and healed the sick and welcomed the outcast. Jesus Christ descended with them and with us and invites us to follow him. Follow him. And trust this is good news. Amen.